Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk Podcast. It's our goal here at the Res Talk Podcast to communicate late breaking news and thoughtful insights into the wide array of topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to all the stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. So whether you're a housing consumer, rater, builder, realtor, or appraiser, you may want to hear more about the evolving trends in home energy ratings. Now, this is a perfect topic to learn more. We'll be talking today with Steve Baden and Emma Bennett about the ResNet 2022 conference. Events of the last year have made it so challenging for organizations to host live events. Many events, including the ResNet conference in 2021, went into a virtual format. Now, what will the future hold for conferences in 2022 and beyond? What will these conferences actually look like? And will connecting the dots of the past conferences help us to better know? Steve and Emma join us today to describe how the decision was made to deliver the 2022 conference in a hybrid mode that is both in-person and virtual. As Also, they'll tell us about the details of what a hybrid event looks like. As we explore the conference theme, which is into the future, kind of a fitting theme, we also hear about how participant health and safety is stressed and will be considered. Now, you can learn more about the ResNet conference by visiting the ResNet homepage and checking under the conference dropdown, or follow the details in the ResNet newsletter, or reach out to Emma at conference at resnet.us. Good afternoon, folks. Good afternoon. Hey, Bill. And the topic today is we'll call it ResNet 2022, looking into the future. So we'll be talking about, do you call it a conference or a convention, Steve? It's a conference. A conference, okay. With a trade show attached to it. And yeah. are we doing it again hybrid this year like we did in 2021? Out of necessity, really, but what's going on in 2022? We're going to have a hybrid conference. 2021 was a virtual event. So it was all pre-recorded and and aired. We've decided to have a hybrid this year. And this resulted from a survey that we conducted of past attendees of ResNet conferences. And the results of the survey were interesting. What we found, like the rest of the nation, the ResNet network is divided on its views of the pandemic. On one hand, we had a large number of past attendees indicated that they would not receive a COVID vaccination, nor would follow public health protocols. But on the other hand, a large segment would not be comfortable in an event with individuals who were not vaccinated. There was also a concern that in the survey of people who would go to a live event, that they would not have the traditional in-person networking and opportunities if a thing went on. So this presented a quite a Gordonian knot for us. And the solution was a hybrid conference. And this hybrid conference will be a live event for those who want to follow best practices of public health protocols, and then an online event for those who are not comfortable with flying, nor do not want to practice the best public health practices. We presented this last month to the ResNet Board of Directors who voted in favor of having this two-pronged approach, and then the live event having the best practice protocols for an in-person event. Very professionally done, too. I took part in the survey as a conference attendee and a trade show exhibitor, and I just kind of like the cadence and the description of the question. So nicely done. Whatever team put that together, nicely done, folks. Kudos to Emma. Oh, very good, Emma. Thanks. 
You do your research, Emma. 2021 must have presented some challenges just to come up with it. Can you tell us a little about what happened in 2021? Just how did that go? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the biggest benefit to planning the virtual event was that we had plenty of time to do it. And we were able to get feedback and see what other organizations were doing with their events when it came to virtual. So of course, with COVID, it was kind of hard. We made the call probably what, July? What was it, Steve? I think it was July of 2020 which was still a ways out. And, you know, a lot of the numbers and everything increased during that flu season in the winter. So having a little bit of time to prepare, look into how the numbers were running. Some people were thinking that by Q4 of 2020, we'd be back in person, but it's become apparent that until the vaccines became available, that in-person was not the safest route for our event. So we decided to switch everything to virtual July of 2020, which gave us plenty of time to coordinate and see what others in the industry were doing and get feedback from attendees on what they really liked from events. We decided on a more concise live stream where we kept it three to four hours and then let people navigate the site on their own. So that was the decision. I think that it was a challenge moving virtual. And so I'm looking forward to the challenge and opportunity of moving this to a hybrid event. So will the virtual elements be a mirror image to 2021 in 2022? Yeah. So what we're looking at for a hybrid event, right? The definition of hybrid is a thing made by combining two different elements. So we're going to have the two components of what we did for 2021, which was a virtual event. We're going to probably shorten that a little bit because we're also going to be offering the in-person event. And the objectives of both are going to be a little different, but For 2022, we're going to be in Austin, Texas. We understand that this might be a smaller scale as people get used to making their way back into meeting live and face-to-face again. And then I think for virtual, we'll have the opportunity to provide a lot of the same elements that we did in 2021. But I think our focus for the virtual versus in-person is virtual is going to be targeted to high quality and accessible educational content for professional development. And networking is going to be the main priority for our in-person in Austin. So we're kind of restructuring in-person a little bit as well as our virtual. So it's going to have the similar, a lot of the same traditional components that we've done for both events, but doing the main focus, having those two separate events allows us to really dive into niche topics for each one. Will there be any aspects that are synchronous? Anything happening in person that will be shown virtually and anything that's been recorded being shown at the in-person conference? Our plan for right now is that we're framing them as two separate events, but the live streaming that we did in 2021 will be a component again for next year. And I think that we're going to take some of the content that we have at the live general sessions in Austin and translate that into the virtual event. So even if you're not able to come to Austin, you'll still get to hit some of the keynotes. And then like we did for 2021, we're going to offer a lot of pre-recorded breakout sessions. We had a lot of wonderful speakers that did the pivot to virtual with us. They were able to upload and record. I think we had over a hundred breakouts. Resnet is notorious for having so many great sessions. And one of our good, bad complaints is that you can't see them all. So this virtual component, having that again, is going to alleviate that issue, solve our problem there. And then the semblance between the two would be is that we would still do the recording of these sessions. And then the people who come to the live event would still have access for those recorded sessions throughout the year, like we did last time. So there will be some blending in. But what we found is that there are two different exercises with two different audiences. And if you try to make one the same as the other, it doesn't work. So we want to focus as 
Emma said, we'll focus on the live event for the things that people are looking for in the live event, the networking, the interactions, and providing more time for that because it's been a long winter and people are willing to get out and actually interact with one another. And so we want to make that opportunity and maximize it for people. On the other hand, we want to those who can't do that, they have a learning experience that the ResNet conference is for. And so what we're trying to do is have the best of both worlds that's this way. And I could easily see that, say, like, you're trying to live stream something, it doesn't work. The people that are there in person are sitting, waiting. So it's very smart of you to separate the two events that way, mentally as well as physically, but still provide the hybrid nature. It'll be interesting to see how this comes about. So tell me the dates. When is this going to happen? So the 2022 in-person live event is going to be February 21st through the 23rd at the Hilton Austin, downtown Austin, Texas. Got it. And we're planning on having the virtual event a little bit later. So that would allow you just to do the production. And what's nice about this and having it later is that those people who came in live weren't able to attend something for any reason would have the opportunity to catch it as the virtual event takes place. Steve, can you tell us how 2021, like specifics in terms of attendance and reception to the event? What was the feedback there for 2021? It was really overwhelming, honestly. Knowing what we didn't know entering into it, our evaluations came out very, very well. We broke records of attendance. What was it, Emma, a little bit over? Was it close to 1,100? Actually, we hit 1,200 registered. 1,200. So that broke all records. And again, the proof of the pudding was the fact that we could receive such good evaluations from it. People didn't know what to expect or they had bad impressions of a virtual event. And we were able to resolve that. And I think a lot of credit went to our MC of MCs, uh, Emma, because she led us through that process pretty seamlessly with a lot of fun. That's what one of the M's in Emma stands for is MC. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But honestly, there must have been some challenges that you'll learn from. Anything that particularly comes to mind as a challenge, Emma, that will be improved upon or different for this hybrid conference? That's a great question. I would say one of the challenges with virtual was the explanation of what we were going to offer. Because I think a lot of people had attended some virtual events. I had somebody say the word, a couple of them felt like glorified Zoom rooms, right? Like they were sitting in a Zoom meeting all day. And so trying to sell the value of what we were trying to do and how different it was. I think that the proof was in the pudding. As soon as we held the event, we got really, really good positive feedback on how to structure it. I think what's going to be a challenge is going to be communicating the difference of hybrid and what would be offered for virtual versus in-person. We were talking about the discussion of They call it the cannibalization of each event. If you offer an in-person, is that going to hurt your numbers for virtual or vice versa? And what we've been researching is that it won't at all. I think there's going to be two different demographics of people, people that want to come in person, are willing to follow safety protocols and network face-to-face again, and then people who maybe just need to go get their educational, professional development. And it's expensive for companies to send whole group of people to go get recertified every year. So having the opportunity for both and selling the proposition for both, I think will be a challenge like framing the wording around it. But I think that we'll be able to find a way to effectively do that. Do you have any forecast of the relative cost between the two different hybrid elements? 
I think that the value, because we're going to be offering probably to a smaller group, I think that the in-person is going to be a little more expensive because we will also be providing them access to the virtual. We haven't finalized our cost quite yet, but it will be a little more affordable to attend virtual, but also going to Austin, you're going to be paying for more value, such as your meals, face-to-face networking. And we're kind of looking into more, providing more of a social aspect. I think that people really miss that face-to-face contact. So providing more opportunities there. So Steve, you'd mentioned safety protocols. Is that something that ResNet is executing or is there something to do with the venue, the site venue, or even the state? Like what's going to be required? How does all that going to map out? That's a challenge. We had an existing contract to have this in Texas. And as everyone knows, Texas is the wild, wild west and everything's completely open. So basically the state has no restrictions whatsoever. Neither does the hotel. So what that did is put it incumbent upon us as the host of the event to do it. So we took that seriously and spent a lot of time thinking about that. And I think one of the key things we got from our survey is that people are looking for a safe and comfortable experience. So in order to be able to do that, we've contracted with a public health consultant that recommend to us the best health and safety practices. As Emma stated, these practices will result in a smaller event in the, that in the past when we had live events, but I think this presents opportunities. As Emma stated, that the trends in conferences are that the priority of people who attend these is the interaction with their peers and the networking. And so be able to do this, we will be formulating the live event to maximize this opportunity while having an online event like last year for those who do not wish to travel or follow the conference's public health protocols. Any kind of insight into what those protocols might be for the individual? Can you map that ahead? We have not received the recommendations from our consultant, but one of the things that I think is obvious is that the social distancing will take place. So you're not going to be going into a packed ballroom for a general session. The meals at lunch will be social distancing too. And beyond that, we're open-minded on what we're going to do to make a safe and comfortable event for people to go. And I think that one of the things that we have to decide upon is this issue of vaccination. But again, we're waiting for that to come in, but there will be changes and we're going to make this unknown early enough so that people can make their decisions. For those who have able to meet our guidelines and feel comfortable doing that, we have the live event. And for those who are not comfortable with the guidelines, then they have the opportunity to go to the virtual event. I forgot where I've seen this, but seen some events talk about color coding of badges for people that are comfortable being approached and to the level of being approached. Have you come across anything like that? Yes. What's funny is as we are now getting closer to a new normal, it is odd because we've been so isolated for long. I find it interesting because California now is wide open and I find it interesting people you know, you feel that awkward moment of how do you greet a friend? You don't know, do I kind of do I shake hands or do I want to? And so one of the ideas that a board member gave to us that we're going to do is this color-colored badge. Green means that you're open for handshakes, you're approachable. Yellow is that you're cautious. And red says, I want to stay away with my distance. And that would give everyone an obvious clue on how to approach the next person because it is awkward. It's like coming out of a darkness and suddenly you're there and you quite, there's a lot of social things we have to relearn while being respectful for public health and distances that people want. So have you started the registrations yet? Is that something that's going to take place or open up soon? 
I think by the time this is aired, I am assuming that we're going to get really close to opening registrations. First, we're going to be sending out our session nomination form. So that's going to be the content that people are interested in seeing in person or virtually and get recorded. So we're going to be working on that. I'm hoping to have sponsorship opportunities and registration. I think where we're waiting on right now is the health and safety guidelines, because we want to make sure that people know the expectations before they sign up and spend money to join us in Austin. So as soon as we kind of have that finalized, we're going to open registration, offer early bird discount for those that sign up early. And then there'll be an increased fee if you decide to join in later. Do you have any idea for the, I keep going back to 2021, because that is going to be sort of a part of 2022, the activity or usage of the people that attended the virtual and are coming back, do you able to see who's watching sessions? Is there some activity going on there? For people attending to kind of see who's joining in? No, more so just are people using the resource of 2021's recorded conferences? Oh, gotcha. Yeah, definitely. So right now we are offering the 2021 conference platform. We are offering it as a professional development opportunity through the end of the year. So we still have all of that content available. If anybody needs to be certified this year, it's an easy opportunity to kind of learn on your own and submitting those credits. So I think what we're also hoping to do, and we're working with Vario, who is the partner that we've worked with to provide the virtual event is having that content available also in 2022. So having like an archived library of content that we had this year as well. So we'll offer probably close to a hundred new sessions and everything for 2022, but we might also have an archived library of another hundred sessions. So there'll be great value there. Yeah. And I guess that also shows you the level of interest in the topics too, kind of the feedback there. And that's a great asset. On your point there, one of the things we got in the survey feedback was that people did appreciate the ability to go back after the event and at their leisure view sessions and not be conflicted by one out of seven choices you had to make. And the people going in and signing up and reviewing these sessions has been really good. So we want to keep that. And if that's going to be available both to the people who go to the live event and those who go to the virtual event. Is there still a way for people to access, or if they didn't get into the 2021 event, can they jump on board now for that PDH aspect? Absolutely. Yes. They can reach out, but if you go to resnet.us backslash conference, you'll see a button there that says register for PDs. So you basically sign up like you would for the conference, but we've now automated the system. So as soon as you sign up, you get a link to access the virtual platform for 2021. So you can start earning your professional developments credits there. Our requirement is that you go watch the general session content from all three days and then an additional eight breakout sessions. Way to verify that students are watching all of those sessions. Very good. I'll put that link. I'll find that, put that in the show notes to make sure people have access to that because that is a pretty valuable aspect here. Months after the conference, you still have access to great content. Mm-hmm, definitely. There's so many good sessions and that way you don't knock yourself out having to view 10 of them. I find myself every so often going back and looking at the topics and said, yeah, I I think I want to know about that one and click back it. So that's a really good tool. Because it was so successful, we want to keep it in 2022. Now, if I were presenting, they probably would listen to it and fast forward because sometimes (laughs) we talk pretty densely, but to each his own, to those that want to listen. So any other aspects we want to cover here today talking about 2022? Yeah, I kind of like to talk about what is the overall theme of this because the theme of this year's conference is into the future. 
And I think it is timely for that topic because the nation is getting closer to some semblance of normal again. We're, we're out of the winter of the pandemic and everything changed during that winter. And our lives, our relationships, and our businesses have been affected. And as we pose the industry to the new normal, we need to look through new perspectives. And so what this conference will do is celebrate new relationships and pick up on the innovations that were developed during the pandemic. And we're seeing now new opportunities are emerging. And indeed, there is a bright future ahead. And so as an industry, we need to adopt to a wider perspective and capture some new opportunities. And I think that shows us as we relooked our lives and coming out of the pandemic and revaluing and looking at our values and our relationships, I think we need to look also as an industry into what we offer. And I think we should no longer only define ourselves as HERS ratings, but capture such new emerging opportunities as water efficiency ratings, energy code compliance, affordable housing, and carbon ratings. So I think this is a good opportunity for to take a pause, to celebrate relationships, and get acquainted again, but also start looking to the future, which I think is very bright. Very interesting. Yeah. By the great social experiment conducted on ourselves, by ourselves in the last year. It has been a long winter. And there's some things we picked up, though, that both personal and professional that we didn't suspect otherwards. Like who would have guessed that last winter the flu rates would be so low? It was one of the lowest rates of flu that we had. And largely that's because of people were wearing masks and social distancing and washing their hands. The same thing with business. There's some things we did differently this year because of the pandemic that actually makes things more efficient and smarter. And so I think one of the things we're going to be doing both in our personal lives business lives and in industry is look at those things that were important. How do we renew that? But then what can we learn from some of the stuff we picked up during the winter and see how it could help us do our lives, our relationships, and our business in the future? It sounds like you just wrote the theme for a track, Steve, in the conference, Lessons Learned from the Pandemic. (laughs) Seriously, that would be so interesting. Well, it's true. And frankly, believe it or not, Em and I have been talking about that because that is, it's been a shift of things. Yeah. No one has came out the same of this as usual. I mean, as the way they were before. And some of it's good, but there's some of it's bad. It's obvious to bad, but there's some new things that took place. And I think we do value relationships more than we took for granted before we isolated. And I think that is why one of the things, the hybrid is so important because the people who really are looking to reach out and reconnect, we want to make it so it's safe, comfortable, and that we could put time so that you could actually do that and not be stuck sitting in a classroom all day. There's some very interesting in that Vario platform, some social aspects that were done virtually. So kudos to Emma. Well, thank you. To leading that difference. That was a really nice difference that was done there. Yeah, I think having the incentive of the res points and everything to get people engaged, but we were concerned about engagement on a virtual platform and our network totally surprised us. They were blowing up the forum, the live chat during sessions. It was really, really awesome to see people connect despite the circumstances of maybe being across the country and some people are starting their morning, some people are having their lunch break. It was a really worthwhile experience, but I also can say that I'm very excited to see people face-to-face again. Very good. Any other thoughts, Emma, on the topic here at hand? 
I would just say make sure that you are following ResNet on social media. You're subscribed to our newsletter. We're going to be having a lot of information coming out this fall on the conference. And we are just so excited to have people join us in person in Austin. But we're just as equally excited to have people join us from all over the country and internationally for our virtual event as well. Is there a good way to people get in touch with you if they have some ideas, some thoughts, some commentary? I think one of the things that we valued for virtual was the feedback that we got from our network on what they saw, different events they attended, what worked well and what didn't. So if anybody's attended hybrid events and has content suggestions or networking ideas, feel free to shoot us an email. We have a conference at resnet.us email that we monitor and happy to take any feedback, suggestions or questions there. Very good. Steve, any closing thoughts here? I think that this is another challenge. Last year was certainly a challenge. Now it's a challenge on how we do this. But one size does not fit all. And I think it's going to be interesting how we put this together. But I'm every confident we can and that we can meet the needs of the people who are longing to get together again and interact. But also those who are maybe not comfortable following that can still have a good, meaningful learning experience. Yep. Adaptability. Maybe that's the theme for this episode here. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Thank you very much. Thanks uh, again for coming on and giving us a, a little heads up and insight. And I trust that the team will do well in developing the 2022 into the future ResNet conference. I uh, would like to talk about maybe having an event early in 2022 where we have all these details in, and we can give a little bit more details for people what the conference is going to look like. Oh, absolutely. There'll be a good chance to do that in early 2022 to fill in a lot between the lines between now and then, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thanks again for coming on ResTalk and sharing with us the plans and the challenges that you have looking forward to and creating the 2022 conference. It was our pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Emma. Thank you, Steve. And thank you for listeners of ResTalk. We welcome you back next time and look forward to an update coming in the future. And we'll be talking more about the details of this conference. Take care. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast. If you're a pro in the building market, surf on over to resnet.us/professional to learn more or to join the email list. You can also find Resnet on Facebook or Twitter. Here's a quote for today by Steve Jobs: "You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards." If you're interested in feeding back to Resnet on what you heard here today, or would like to hear a new topic, or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. If you're not subscribed to this great podcast, please do so. And as always, thank you for listening to Res Talk. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. Talk.